After the sermon, let us sing Psalm 19, the fifth and sixth stanzas. Our text this afternoon is found with Psalm 119, the second stanza, uh, Beth, beginning with verse 9 through verse 16. Let's read that. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we continue where we left off this morning. We start on the, the passage now that, that deals with youth, perhaps a good place to start. Because that's where life in service to God must begin. It's when you're young. It's why your parents bring you to church early. And I think sometimes they think maybe a little too early. But they do so because they want you to be influenced by the word of God. It's enough for them to have to bring up children in the fear of the Lord, and especially in this day and age. It's not always easy. We need the help of the Lord. And so many people don't realize that. I hope we do. How important it is that our children are brought up in service to the Lord. And I know sometimes we have, uh, we're very well intended, but we do neglect to teach them as we ought to teach them, to, to use the, the word of God as the guide for their lives, for to lead them by our own design would be folly, would be careless, it would be folly, deadly, in fact. And so it's, it's nice to see that after we have that introduction that we right away go to the point of youth. And it starts earlier than youth. It starts already as, as little children who may not fully grasp why they're brought here, but nevertheless it's uh, the youth that is, is pointed to here as much as they are the ones that are of an age for understanding. And so to start, and we'll keep in mind as well then what we said this morning about uh, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. 
to also see that aspect of that blamelessness that we must hold with all of this psalm, and I dare say with all of God's word, but especially as this is a, a psalm specifically made going through the different stanzas from Aleph to Tau. Um, we, we need to understand that this is um, for those who need to see themselves as blameless in the sight of God. So, uh, keeping those things in mind then, Beth, Aleph, Beth, same as alphabet, right? We're going through the alphabet. How can a young man keep his way pure? On the one hand, the psalmist is saying that with the inexperience of youth, there is a need to learn and to grow. The mind was not always focused. It's not always focused in in our youth on the proper way of life. Don't forget we're dealing with being born, because he's been born in sin, inclined to all evil, hating God and the neighbor. We need to uh, grow. We need to be influenced from the outside, as we heard also this morning. We need the influence of the one and only Word of God. So, so to grow. Yet on the other hand, if not to have lived for the Lord in one's youth, considering now the, the psalmist writing this, if not to have lived for the Lord in one's youth, one would not have been in a position to speak as favorably about living for the Lord in a somewhat later part of life. To make the connection then between the law of God and how one lives one's youth blamelessly is what we want to hear this afternoon. I proclaim to you then that word as we find it with our stanza, with our text, Psalm 119, Beth, being clean in the eyes of the Lord. The requirements that must be faced and the response that must take place. First of all then, requirements that must be faced. One cannot say it enough as to how important it is to know the Lord in the days of one's youth. If you look around yourself today, you will see many, many who have grown old, who absolutely have no idea what a life in service to the Lord is about. Needless to say, they were not taught properly. Neither have they taught properly. They have not taught their children what it is to serve the Lord either. And we see today generation after generation of those who are ignorant about the blessings that may come our way from God. For all those who believe. So it's good to hear the psalmist start with youth. How can a young man keep his way pure? 
You might say today, today not exactly uh, gender neutral, but we know better. Young man, young woman, it's the same thing. We can keep that in mind as we address both. Now the question, having been asked, is not so much about searching the world so as to find the answer. The question comes with the answer, immediately. How shall a young man how shall he keep his way pure? The answer, by living according to your word. What is life about? What is the psalmist saying? Well, we need to be pure. We heard that this morning. And how do we know that? Well, because God created us to be pure. Did we fall into sin? Then that is secondary. God intended our lives to be pure when he made us. He created Adam and Eve in paradise. That was God's intent. And we know it's not outside of the scope of his purpose that he allowed us to fall into sin he gave us free will and we tested that and to our death ultimately but what do we know besides that well God intended our lives to be pure when he made us and God has done for mankind having fallen into sin deserving of death has established all things with his son our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ very much in the picture from before our creation God established that Jesus Christ should be our Savior and how to be the Savior well he sent him to be the purification for our sins. Yes, he came to be our death. So as to purify us, he had to go through that process. Because we were deserving to die. And he did that in our place. With the result, our purification. That one sacrifice that pays for all. That was God's purpose. And remains the purpose of God. It remains that purpose, congregation, not as to speak about the life hereafter being without sin or blemish. No, that we should live pure in his sight is what the whole of the Old Testament and the New as well, but the whole of the Old Testament's all about. It's all about setting up things to keep us pure. Not only giving us the Ten Commandments, but also the commandments that, that spoke about the liturgical life of Israel, how they had to live, what sacrifices they had to bring, and so forth. It was all about being pure. You had to be pure. It was a, it was a burden, needless to say. Because how could we? 
And yet, not to diminish it for a moment, God's purpose to have us pure, to live holy lives unto him. Yes, that's why Jesus came. And so the answer is not all that difficult if you understand what the purpose of Scripture is about. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to what God has intended. How do we know what God has intended? It's in his word. By living according to your word. That is God's word. The word of God. The testimony which calls us to holiness. When we say the word, we may also say the law. The Hebrews call it the Torah, which can mean the five books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. It can also mean the whole of the Old Testament. As we heard that again this morning, it's wherever there is something to be learned, it's, it's ultimately what God is teaching. It is his, his will, his desire for us, which we could say is what the Ten Commandments are all about, what the law is all about. It is really quite simple, is it not, brothers and sisters? Living according to the law of God and everything will go well with you. Start from your youth to do what is right. Easier said than done, yes. But it doesn't mean give up on it because we can't do it perfectly anyhow as, as we often entertain that thought. Our lives in this world are called to service. We are created to live for God and for him alone. His purpose for us must be the life we seek to establish through his power. So start doing that from your youth on out. Yes, youth. Youth will, for the most part, determine what you will be like when you grow old. Even so, there's a danger leaving it to when you're old because when you're old, you'll be tired and you won't. You won't change. Scripture says. Youth, as we heard already, is full of passion. Because we are born, because see them born in sin. We lack knowledge. We're not born with knowledge. We're not born with experience. How to do things right, we ask. Keep on doing them right. Well, certainly not by doing what one uh, is pleased to do. One needs to be guided. The first step to the last. Original sin. But now there's also actual sins. Those things are all against us. Scripture says, Lord, remember not the sins of my youth. It is a difficult time. But we're not to shrink away from doing what God wants. It is a glorious enterprise to live pure lives under the grace of God. 
And to say live according to, to God's word means that we must inquire into the meaning of what he has taught us there. What does it say as would help us to live effectively? Now some believe that it is the young man who speaks here. Many others think it is an older, experienced in the ways of the Lord person who's speaking. I think it tends toward being somewhat experienced to say what he says, to ask the question and to give immediately the answer. So it is, in all likelihood, because of what follows after that, in the following verse, seems to indicate he's still there at that stage and he needs still to grow, that it is a period of time of having had some experience and yet growing, growing in the Lord. He already knows all about the trials and tribulations of life. He's gone through some troubles himself. But it is this experience in which he has encountered the help of the Lord that now leads him to say what comes next. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's about living a full life in the service of God. The psalmist knows the difficulties of growing up and he, he marks that out. But he's ever thankful that he's also been given the answer, the direction, namely to live according to the word, the law of God. Even now he must be diligent. I continue to seek you with all my heart. I do not stand in my own strength. I need the continued help of the Lord is what he's saying. Do not let me stray from your commands. Ever keep me away from, from falling into sin. I know what is a blessing in my life. Somewhat like Paul speaking to Timothy... He also speaks of him in glowing terms as one who was taught by his grandmother and mother. It's there to remind us that we too have had those who have taught us to keep us on that straight and that narrow. Let's be thankful for the, the gift of having parents who have brought us up in the fear of the Lord. But you're urged, you're coaxed here to be watchful. That your ways may continue according to God's direction. That great care is applied to your life for there remains the reality that the map that you might be using in going forward may mislead you. The narrow way doesn't just fall into your lap. 
the careless man will not just come upon and continue to lead a holy life. It's not without reason that the Bible is calling us to obedience, call, in calling us to obedience, calls for the whole of our being, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Without the road sign, without the law, we're soon found to be in the ditch, so to speak, because of unfamiliarity, which comes with careless choices. Knowing that the guide of the law is given, clear markers up and down the road of life, obey them and live. Why disobey and die? Willful ignorance towards the road signs is in fact willful sin. And the evil that comes as a result is therefore without excuse. If you've heard, if you've been taught, you have all received that. I think for the most part, you've all received that. You've received that guidance. You are without excuse. And doesn't it hold true, those of you who have experienced that? Does it not hold true that the more a man's heart is set on holy living, the more he becomes afraid of sin? And not only that he dwells on removing what he may deem to be major deliberate sins, but he also becomes afraid of the little things. The things that he may do without much thought, but which he knows in, as a student of the law are nevertheless sin against, against God's majesty against his perfect will for us. And how to know the little things. Study. Study the law of God. And find out what is good for you and what is not. Because it's all there. It's all there to, to guide us. His law is a treasure that is worth storing up congregation. And there is no better and safer place to store it where? In one's heart. Store it there so that what lies on your heart is in tune with God's perfect will your heart will be kept by the law because you have kept the law in your heart. Realize it. God's law is given to protect us. We talk about getting a needle to protect us from sin, uh, from illness. Well, Realize the law of God is, especially in the heart, protects us against sin. 
And that's why Jesus Christ did what he did, why he came to this world, why he died. When everything was against him, when he even cried, Lord, if it can be, Perhaps not to go through, but he knew he had to. And he carried out its demand. Why? Because he wanted us to have the protection that we needed. He presented it to us as only he could. Let the perfect obedience of God's law performed by Jesus Christ be then the reason for all of us to say, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Indeed, if it's there, if that's foremost in our hearts, it's there to keep us from sin. Do you have the love and thankfulness that comes from knowing God? Do you really see him in your life as a living and communicating God? Perhaps to say to you then, do you think of walking with God in the cool of the garden once more? Is it about your being restored to paradise as such? Oh, I know you're not going to be perfect in so doing. But what are you busy with? Are we more and more trying to achieve a greater and more thankful communication with him? Because that's where your life needs to be. He's come very close to us, beloved, in having his heavenly son walk with us and talk with us and feel pain for our sins and take his, our sins upon himself. That's how close God has come to us again Think of paradise, how nice it was. Think of what God has done, that it can be nice again. Are you coming closer to him, brothers and sisters? Think again of verse 3 from this morning. They do nothing wrong. I've left it for this afternoon, especially to speak about that verse. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. That's what's said about us. That is not only a possibility, that is a reality that should be there. They do nothing wrong. They are without guile. They're ones of whom they can say they're no longer sinners. And that, of course, in the sense blameless, blameless in the ways of the Lord. And that must be real for us, not something to marvel at, all the while thinking that it's, it's not for us. You must make every effort to attain that holy innocence and divine happiness as much as God is at work in us. Work it out as much as God is at work in us that we can achieve 
what we're talking about. It's only if your heart is in it, however, to be holy. If the law, the perfect law of God is written there upon our hearts. So we come to the second point, the response that must take place. Praise be to you, O Lord, teach me your decrees. You can see where the psalmist is going. He's, he's going from identifying youth and where we need to be, understanding, of course, how he has been brought up like Timothy in the fear of the Lord. He has practiced these things. He knows the law is the answer. And that's what he wants us to know. Praise the Lord. Response that must take place in our lives. We must praise the Lord. And he adds, therefore, teach me your decrees. Not that he hasn't heard them, but that he needs to be reminded to, to meditate on them. These words of praise to God can only be spoken if it is established that our hearts carry God's will. He praises God or he blesses God. What is it to bless God? If not to do what he wants and speak out from doing God's will. Because that's the only way you can bless God. Bless God for all he has revealed and established. We need to be established. His will and delight must also become our work. We must work towards a restoration of how it once was in paradise. In other words, God must more and more become all and everything before our lives. And even so, the psalmist says, teach me more. Teach me your decrees that my holiness may more and more find expression out of knowing God's holy will. He praises God for his greatness at the same time delights to be a child of his, fully in service to doing his will. Teach me more, however, Lord. You see what our, what our intended purpose is for life then? How important is that in yours? Is that what you're really living for? And let flow out of that what, what must are you set in your life upon doing his will? Or is it about the material things in life? Are you enticed by them? Are they perhaps taking you away time and again from studying the word of God? Perhaps not going to church when you should be going to church. What is important? What is important is what, what God has done through Jesus Christ. But Christ didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. He paid the price to set us free. To present us without blemish before the Lord. How to do that? Well, only he can. Only he can present us that way. And it's all based on his sacrifice. But there's more. 
There's more. Don't stop there. He also wants to see the change in our life. He wants us to, to be those who are dedicated to the Lord. That with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. Interesting. Lips and mouth. My lips, God's mouth. It's obvious that this recounting of the laws is not done in a vacuum. Obviously, when God speaks, it motivates through the heart also our lips to speak. To broadcast it, brothers and sisters. To teach our children with purpose. He takes the words that come from God's mouth upon his own lips for others to hear, starting at home, starting in the house, teaching the children, let them hear, read to them the word of God continuously, have them well versed in the scriptures. And don't be afraid to ask them from time to time, what did you hear now from what I've read? That's not just for school. To have teachers do that on our behalf. It's also in our own family. What are you saying to your children? Can they repeat what you've read? It has to be but in a small way, but that you understand he's picked it up or she's picked it up. Are you about doing that, congregation? Do you, in knowing that God is truly perfect in righteousness and holiness, do you follow his example by striving to be righteous and holy? And do you make it known on a continuing basis to others? Are his laws, his statutes of equality for your life as great riches might be? Do you rejoice in them as you might in gold or silver? Do you meditate on them enough to say, this is so, so worthy to hold that I cannot leave it alone? Do you consider his ways? And, and, what, and how they give life. They give life to man. It's been of great comfort to Christians in times of trouble to reflect back on the past and lay a claim to have done what was one's duty and privilege Thankful in times of crisis to know what the law of God says to us. How it takes us from a world bent on destruction into a world of life. There have been thousands upon thousands of those who have had to die. Whether on a cross or whether on a pyre, on a fire who have been drawn and quartered for faith, 
but who've held on right to the bitter end of uh, their physical life. They've held on to the one thing that gave them security in all of life. I've heard it on the deathbed of saints who've died in the Lord, how they recited Lord's Day 1, how they recited other parts of Scripture, who were comforting those around them, the doctors and the nurses, with saying the things of faith which moved them to tears who were listening. How can a person be about speaking about God at this time in their life when death was but moments away or hours away, they were so full of praising the Lord. And we say that, of course, that's what we can do. But do we do it? Do we do it? And yes, the saints do it. They've been heard to do it. I've seen the most simple of, of men when it comes to speaking about his faith, having difficulties in doing that, but who in the time of sudden death in the family with children had the strength of saying it's in the Lord's hands. Not to, to mourn, of course, and not to mourn again, and again because we've grown to each other but who have nevertheless put it all into perspective and saying but this is what I've prayed for this is what I've known all my life to be true and now it must speak it must speak to me and how it does brothers and sisters how it does speak Delight in the law. The position of God in your life is more than anything else. So that we may rejoice in the moments of of great difficulty. That's what Paul would say later on. Rejoice. Rejoice always. In all circumstances. Because the reality of those occasions is not that death surrounds you and may consume you, but you have come to know the victory of Jesus Christ, from which even death cannot disappoint. But be taught. Teach others. By teaching we learn. By training the tongue to utter matters of holiness. As God has first spoken to us, about those matters. So we master all of life. Why is it? Some see it as such a heavy task. Or why do they live as if it is a heavy task? Why do they throw all of what may be said this afternoon aside? Should they hear it? It's the one truth that we all need to know. And we've been given the will of God, to know the will of God, which is his law, the will towards him. 
and towards our, our neighbor. We hear it every Sunday again. Beautiful words. Simple, to the point. Why the Sabbath day? Why do we rest? Why do we have only one God? Why do we not murder? Why do we not steal? Why we do, do we not commit adultery? It's all because. It's all about death. Except we know these, the laws of God that are on our heart. That's where it has to be. The world is so poor in its quest to abandon the true God of scriptures. They perish as do their children and their children's children who have left behind God's word. We have it hidden on our hearts. And because we do, we may recount, we may rejoice and further meditate and say, O oh Lord, keep us, keep us, keep us close to you. Do not abandon this beautiful truth which you have begun in me. For all of this points ultimately to Jesus Christ as to why he came and we give greater praise to him this afternoon again. What he has done, we've, for we've understood another aspect of it. In, in his fulfillment of the law, now we more and more delight in having it on our hearts to praise God and to do good in this life. Amen.